0: award-winning gummies 21 plus that's via hemp.com and use the code TSFS at checkout support the show tell them I sent you and enhance your everyday life with via hemp okay wow Tim Timberlake Tim Timberlake is gonna make me emotional before Uh, I even get started on this podcast oh my god Tim you have an incredible story I love having people on that have amazing stories
1: It's pretty wild, sir. And first and foremost, thank you for having me on the podcast. What an honor. What a privilege! I am so looking forward to our conversation today.
0: Well, Tim, I'm embarrassed because um, you're bringing this podcast back to a little bit of holy ground because the last <laughs> pastor I had on here was prior a porn star. Then he became a pastor, so you know you're kind of. A, I don't know if you've got you had a history in porn, but I don't think so. So I think you're bringing no. bringing me some class here, Tim.
1: Yeah, not not at all. To each their own, but I am definitely not. Uh, a former adult entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to ask. I got to ask. What was his former adult's name?
0: Oh my God. um, Rocco Reed, I think. Oh, oh my God. Gosh. he's Yes. He's a pastor now, <laughs> former porn star. Oh my God. He's amazing. Josh Broom, I think is his real name. Hold on. He was on. He was actually really interesting because I'm like, how do you I mean, how do you go? That's a hard
1: transition. Right?
0: And, you know, I mean, it it was really good. Yes, Josh Broom. And he used to be Rocco Reed. I loved it because he talked about, obviously, the shame of, like, ending being a porn star. And then he tried for a long time to get even any job, you know, working at a gym. And, of course, eventually people would Google and figure out. (laughs) I mean, he's really done so well for himself. But, obviously, I am drawn to people that live all kinds of different lives and lifestyles. So I loved it. I was like, dude, the fact that you were a porn star and now you're a preacher, good for you. What a transition.
1: Kudos to him. (laughs) What a transition. Man, that's awesome.
0: Tim, you might be um, new to my audience. You know, I discovered you through a friend. And what I love yeah. that we're going to talk about today is obviously, you know, your backstory. You were just telling me off the air. I mean, your your grandfather essentially was a sharecropper, which essentially yeah. was a new ad, new agey-ish term in the 30s, 40s, 50s for basically a slave, right? Who, right. Who still – you go from that. Your grandfather ends up building kind of a following as a preacher, then yeah. has eight children, including your father, your yeah. dad, your mom continue this to grow a church to 13,000. And then here you are today. Like, I, I just, you you must also look at your, like, holy crap, like how far you've come, like your family. I mean, do you, I'm sure you do, but do you just stop and go, I can't even believe this life like like i mean your grandparents they never could have even probably dreamt what you're doing that's a
1: great question so so here's here's um something that i do before i give any talk no matter if i'm talking to fortune 500 executives c-suite executives or i'm talking to people within uh uh the faith community i have a note at the top of every one of my talks. And it's a quote that Maya Angelou uh, said, and it is, I am the hope and dream of my ancestors. My grandparents could have never ever imagined, they could have never fathomed uh, doing what I do. And so I would fly and I I still do kind of all over the world. My grandfather never got on an airplane. He had never been to the beach. He had never seen the ocean until uh, the year before he died. And so he would always ask me, Sarah, what is it like you, you get on this this airplane and it, it goes in the air and how does it stay? And it's just, it, it blew my mind to uh, not only do what I do at the level that I do it, but uh, for him to see it, my father didn't get a chance to see it. My father died the day after my 18th birthday. Uh, and uh, you know, so he never got an opportunity for me um, to uh, kind of walk this life
0: out. Do you make people emotional? You're making me emotional. Do you like? Do you see <laughs> people cry at your like? You are. I mean, I think it's just beautiful, right? I mean, because I think what I love is like, I think you're just this glowing example of how far we've come as a country. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, it wasn't that long ago? It,
1: it is, it's so it true. Me it's makes emotional. Not, and, and and you know the crazy thing about it is you have people that are still stuck in that mentality, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and in, in what and, way you know, in
0: what way tell me tell me that uh,
1: you know depending on the pocket of America that you are in people are still stuck in uh, a divided mentality there's still yes. a lot of racial divide uh in our country I, I think that um, when you look at the uh political landscape of the last six years we see a lot of that and uh we got we got a lot of work to do. We've come a long ways, but we still have a lot of work to do. And I think, uh, you know, it's people yeah. like you that utilize their platforms to bring about change and, and help um, however uh, you see fit and you can. Um, well, so
0: yeah. I try. It's, uh, it, you know, and I, I think what I have to constantly I, – I wonder if you find this too because now you travel the world. You speak to Fortune 500 companies. You speak to people, um, you know – What I find hard in this country is, like, I've lived in major cities now forever, right? Like, I lived in D.C., right? Which was also known as Chocolate City, you know? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. I I have so many (laughs) friends of so many different backgrounds. And so I try to keep doing this work because, I don't know, do you hear this from some people? I'm almost, like, jaded. Like, I've had friends of all different colors now and backgrounds. So I'm like, are people still racist? I know I'm saying this and people are going to be yelling at the (laughs) podcast, like, are you this dumb? But... Okay, yeah, I know you're like you're
1: like. Uh, you're like let, let me take yes, you, girl, you. Let me take you yes. to, to some some areas of Georgia and South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida. <laughs> You'll see very very quickly. Uh, you know, it's, I know it's I, gotta still in, I gotta live. I gotta live in Georgia. Thing.
0: I know, I know. And, you know, all my friends that live in the South say that all, all the time, and and not just the South, but other po- pockets of the country. Absolutely. It was weird. I grew up in Maine, which oddly was not very diverse, but the diversity it did have was very celebrated, which is kind of – and Maine's yeah. kind of this weird pocket where it's gone a little bit more conservative, but it's always been kind of a liberal place. So uh, mm-hmm. I have to constantly, I think, you know um, – to hear other people's stories, because I think you get siloed a lot of times into your own friends and your own situation, and you're like, God, you know, how does it exist? But clearly, as you're yeah. saying, a lot of racial racism divide- racism's alive and well, Sarah.
1: For sure, and <laughs> it's it's layered. So my wife, she's white Canadian, right? So she's from Vancouver, and so whenever we are in Vancouver, we get uh, different types of racism. And, uh, you know, it comes from a place of people just not knowing. And, you know, it's one of those things where um, you educate people to the best of your ability and you keep it moving. And so, uh, you know, I'm a, a black guy from the South. She's a white girl from Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> and uh, we have the most amazing little American six-year-old now. His name is Maxwell. And people just, they they try to figure us out and they can't. And I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Does it, does it really bother you or was there a period in your life that it did bother you that people, you know, obviously stare, have questions, you know, make yeah. microaggressions? Like, I mean, you do seem like now it doesn't bother you, but did it?
1: When I was growing up, it did. So it was, it was very common in the area of North Carolina um, that I grew up in. Um, and so, you know, you grew up around it and you see kind of the ignorance of people. And you mock it up to that. It's just ignorance. And so the older I've gotten, uh, the more I have developed a grace, if you would have it, for uh, ignorant people. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I I have a saying, and it's only a fool argues with a fool. And, uh, you know, I don't waste my time trying to argue with people who refuse to try to understand uh, what's going on in reality or the world.
0: Um, that's amazing. And it's hard to do because, um, yeah, it's really hard to do. I it give, I give you a ton of credit. Um, <laughs> I do, I do. It's hard. It's very hard, you know? And, and I hear from a lot of my friends of color, it's exhausting to, you know, keep educating people. And that's, that's the hard part, you know? It's like, how do you how do you have the attitude you do not get exhausted? I imagine it's a balance of both. Sometimes you are, and then sometimes you're more ready to just not argue with fools.
1: Yeah, I think once you really prioritize whose conversations matter, you know, then those people that you probably never meet again really shouldn't weigh that much into how you react or respond. Um, and so, you know, I've learned that my uh future is decided by the voices I listen to the most. Mm. Um, and if I take time to allow those voices to influence what I do, then shame on me. You know, those voices have um, no space. They they have no uh, opportunity to take up any mind space uh, for me. And I encourage other people that are going through it, that experience it, Uh, Even if you are around it and you see other people going through it, you know, you you speak up and and you, uh, you know, talk against the wrong and the evil that's happening and then keep it moving
0: and then keep it moving. Um, one of the reasons I, I'm so drawn to you is I, I do feel like you have this very modern way of spirituality and I actually have a theory mm-hmm. you know you, every generation I always feel like you know they say well society is falling because we people are getting away from religion I I feel in the past five years I almost think people are more reli- I guess spiritual I think we're more yeah. spiritual than ever I mean absolutely Mike you see I, it I in think, yeah keep going yeah you
1: I, I think everyone desires hope, right? Everyone desires Mm -hmm. to feel inspired. They desire to feel loved. Um, And we see that in society and humanity right now, especially uh, after COVID, when we were separated, when we were uh, distant from each other, we crave that hope. We crave the inspiration or um, something that tells us you're going to be okay. And for me, I have found that uh, through my faith, through my relationship, and uh, me and you talked about this off air, but you know, I believe in Jesus. and me and my wife, we have this saying, you don't have to believe what we believe to belong. And uh, I, I think only insecure people have to fight about what they believe in. And I think if I have to um, you know, beat you down with what I believe, then maybe I don't believe in it as much as I say I do. And yeah. so I think whenever you get around people that um, are walking out love, whenever you get around people that are encouragers, I call myself the CEO. I am the chief encouragement officer. And I just wanna encourage people. I just wanna help people build hope and uh point people in the direction of their best self and uh help people extract the greatness out of them in every season of their life and uh you know if i can help people make better decisions then that's what i desire to do i learned a long time ago sarah we are born looking like our parents but we die looking like our decisions and so if i can help people make better decisions then that's what I desire to do.
0: Wait, will I die with fewer wrinkles? Like, what does that mean? Like, if I'm (laughs) happy?
1: Hey, if you make the right
0: decisions. (laughs) Okay, okay. I love this. Tim, that's a radical stance as a preacher, you know, as a – because – at least from what I've seen, and I don't know, I'm trying to think of when I changed. I was born and raised Catholic. I've tried mm-hmm. other religions because obviously there's parts of the Catholic church I disagree with. So then I go in these waves yeah. where, but then I think, you know, sometimes it's like the traditions that you were brought up in. There's parts of a Catholic sermon I really enjoy. And, yeah. uh, but a, a long time ago, I really kind of felt like we're all praying to the, basically the same person, right? Whether it's Allah or, you know, Jesus Christ or, or Buddha, you know, you're, you're kind of, all the same thing, right? But that's, how do you how do you maintain that in your parish? Because it's kind of radical. I mean, you know, because it seems like these churches that really do well, right? I mean, they have a hard line, like the Mormons, the Catholics, the evangelicals. It's sort of like if, you know, that's kind of the business model. Like how, has it been controversial for you to be like, hey, we accept you even if you don't think Jesus is the one?
1: I, I think- anything that is helping people um, in a radical way will be controversial to some people. You know, there are things that I believe that are biblical uh, that people would argue, that's controversial. There are things that I believe um, that we should walk with people uh, in and to a lot of churches, that's controversial. And so I, I truly believe people don't have a Jesus problem uh, people have a problem with the people that say they represent him. <laughs> and, totally. You know, Isn't that we- the truth? <laughs> yes. Cause it's truly about
0: your relationship with God and then we're all humans, right? So that's right. You're going to get good people that preach and bad people that pre- all, all in, like every, in this everything, everything.
1: Absolutely. So my desire is just to model what I've seen him walk out and, you know, Jesus had people around him, that did not believe in him i mean you look at judas judas he knew would uh you know betray him and he kept judas around him and he loved him and i believe that's a leadership principle for all of us you're going to have people in your life that don't look like you you're going to have people in your life that don't talk like you you're going to have people in your life that don't necessarily walk out the things that you walk out but we are all better when we love each other to the place of understanding you're meant to be different there's a blessing in being different. And if I have to force you to become like me, then is that really love? You know, and so I I have been um, in a, and around and have heard a lot of churches that just aren't appealing to people. And they wonder why people don't come or don't listen. It's because one thing is missing and it's love. And so whenever I read my Bible, There's a common theme through it, and it is God is love. And so if he is that, I think as a representative of him, I have to be that. And if you believe something differently than what I believe, I'm not going to beat you over the head and say, you know, hey, this is what you need to do. You got to do this. You shouldn't like my life should be an example of love so much so uh, that it's intriguing to other
0: people how do you know that jesus christ exists because i hang out with a lot of scientists and they Mm -hmm. not a lot i shouldn't say like two (laughs) look at me i'm like oh you know i'm down at mit please uh (laughs) but you know they don't believe they they claim you know they have the whole evolution theory how do you know i think that's the hard part right i thought oh god i talked to these damn scientists they
1: (laughs) (laughs) well uh two two ways that i personally know Um, Because I, you know, and to set up this answer, I'll kind of go back a little bit. I doubted uh, Jesus' existence when my father got sick with terminal throat cancer. And my idea of God was, if this is what happens to people that serve you, I don't want any parts uh, with that type of God. And so I started to do whatever I wanted to do, and in the process hurt a lot of people. Until I had um, this crazy God moment. And, you know, the best way for me to uh, kind of unpack it is sometimes uh, you can't explain mm. Jesus, you can only experience it. And that was that moment for me. I went to sleep in college as a freshman, and I thought that I had woken up and I was in a dream and I was standing in front of all of these people. And I was looking around and I happened to glance down at it in my hands and I saw what looked like blood kind of smudged on my hands. And so as I kind of focused in on that, I heard the voice of God super, super clear and say, the longer you run from what your purpose is and what I've called you to do, who you could have influenced will be held to your account. And I woke up freaked out of my mind and I called my mom three o'clock in the morning Sarah, and I'm telling her all these things and and she starts laughing I was like what the heck are you laughing at like this isn't funny like this this is is crazy it creeped me out and she said that's the exact dream your father had when he was called into ministry
0: how ironic You will be too. Hungry Roots website, so easy to use as well. You just go, you can type in a type of cuisine or if you like chicken, or you can do preset where you tell them you're vegetarian, keto, or you're a meat lover. Right now, get 40% off. My listeners are getting 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to hungryroot.com slash TSFS and get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com slash TSFS. Don't forget to use my link so they know who sent you and get 40% off right now and free veggies for life. Hero breads. Oh my gosh. Chefs, At checkout. That's TSFS at H E R O dot C O. Frazier twenty. That's F R A S E R. The numbers two zero.
1: Never knew that. Never heard that.
0: Oh my he god! He never told me
1: that. And so I ended up transferring from the school I was at to a Bible college in Detroit, Michigan. And I finished up there early, and I moved back to North Carolina and uh, started pastoring. And so the best way for me to um, unpacking is sometimes he can't be explained to every people. Some some people, he just has to be experienced. And so, you know, there's a whole historical and scientific theory as well that I um, believe in. Um, but the best way for me to describe it for our listeners is you have to um, experience it. And I believe that in our own time, each of us have an opportunity to have various experiences with them.
0: Totally. Oh, my God, right? You just have that moment. I, I know so many people that have had that moment, you know, so many people. And uh, I mean, I'm a bit, I mean, what do I know about science? But I think they can both, you know, they both can exist, I think, you know. Um, yeah. Well, one of the other things I think that's fascinating about you is you do a lot of kind of mind clarity coaching in the sense of really maximizing our time here on earth, mm-hmm. which I mm-hmm. think is great because so many people, right, we all waste time in so many different areas of our lives. Uh, you wrote yeah. a book, The Power of 1440, which 1440 is representative of there's 1,440 minutes in a day, right?
1: Very good, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> See, I don't I don't. I, I have like two
0: smart friends. I know a little. I know a little. <laughs> okay. What's the premise of the book? It's, it's that it's maximizing every minute,
1: yeah. So it's it's not a calendar book or a scheduling book, but the purpose of it is uh, to make us hyper aware of how we steward our time. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is oftentimes we are thinking about what we have to do tomorrow. And so we live in the hopes of tomorrow or we're either living in the regrets of yesterday. And we really don't squeeze the most out of uh, our moment that we have right here right now and so when you really think about it you're thinking about tomorrow right now and you're thinking about yesterday right now so why not focus on how to extract how to pull greatness out of this moment that you have right here right now because that's all that we have and so if we don't steward this moment well we'll move into new moments with regret And so that's what the book is about, helping us understand. It's not even a a time management book. I I believe, you know, it's hard for us to manage what we can't control. So we can't tell time to stop. We can't tell it to go. We can't rewind it. We can't fast forward it. And so if we have a hard time managing it, what must we do? We have to become better stewards over it. And so uh, I don't even believe there's a such thing as balance. You don't give the same balance of time uh, as you do with friends as you do your family. You don't give the same balance of time as you do uh, your profession as you would something else that you really don't care about. And so it's not a matter of balance. It's a matter of priority. And uh, this book helps us to prioritize how we steward those minutes, which essentially turn into great moments.
0: How can a person do that? Can you give us one of the examples in the book? Like, you know, um, all of us, right? Or at least I'll use myself as an example, like work a lot. My husband works a lot. You know, from what I've heard and read about you, you know, you really prioritize your family, number one. How how can somebody start to do that when I also want a Porsche in a house in Beverly Hills? Like, can you help me? Yeah. <laughs> I, absolutely. And you know, let's go I, from I, the, the core of Jesus Christ to materialism. <laughs> I mean, how do I, you know what I'm saying? How do you, or, or maybe I need to really let go of some of those things. I don't know. How do you do that? No,
1: you don't. You don't have to let it go. I think all of us desire nice things, but, but this is what we have to really ask ourselves. Isn't
0: that really dumb? Isn't that really stupid? Because you can't bury. I mean, you could bury yourself in your Porsche, but does no one stands up at your eulogy and goes, "Oh, you know, she drove a great Porsche." No one cares. <laughs> right, right, Why do we? Right, it's, sure. I, that's just such marketing, isn't it? It's just total marketing. <laughs> I need to give up but all this it, anyway. Keep going.
1: If it if it enhances your life. You no, know, that's that's uh you know, that's all I'm saying. All
0: right, okay, all right.
1: <laughs> so the thing I would say to that is uh it's okay to have nice things. We just need to assess what is it really costing us? And it's not just finances. You know, it's it's, t- it's, in your time. The, things, it's the things we can't get back, time. And so we end up exchanging uh something that is priceless for something that we'll spend. And we just have to prioritize what is the most important to us. And so for me, my family is the most important. So I have a personal rule that I go by and it's this, my family gets the best of my time, everything else gets the rest of my time. And here's why, when I'm old and I'm on my deathbed, I'm not gonna look around the room and admire the things that I've collected. I'm not going to look around the room and see all of the people that I've impacted, but who I am going to see in that room prayerfully is my wife and my son. And those are the two people that I desire to be loved by the most. And so in order for me to get that dream picture, I know it's weird. I always think about the end, which helps me live out my today.
0: That's great. But
1: in order for me to get that, I have to make great investments in both of them uh, so that when I am there, uh, I'm not regretting the time that I spent in something that really didn't matter because, you know, my my greatest fear. And this is this is kind of weird, but maybe, you know, it will it'll resonate
0: resonate people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My greatest fear isn't failing. My greatest fear is being successful it's something that really didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And so, you know, wow. when, I, when I look at success or when I look at legacy, Sarah, legacy to me is not what I leave for my family. It's what I leave in my family. And so I want to leave something in them that is passed down from me to them and whoever they come into contact with that they feel like they can make that same investment in.
0: Okay, but, oh my God, that's so great. And I'm wondering, how do you figure out meaningful work? You know what I mean? Do you... I guess through prayer, through meditation. How do you no, know? Oh, no, oh, no, okay.
1: not not even that. I, it's more <laughs> practical than that. This is a tough question. That, that yeah, because you know people... a lot of
0: my audience is single women as well, right? So they're absolutely they they don't have children. I'm I'm with you. I have a 20 month old son, right? And I'm obsessed. Like uh, once I, yeah. I, you know, I waited a very long time in life to have a child. Now I want one more. I want to adopt. Like I, you know, and it's and I'm trying to be patient because I'm like God. I want this like all now. You know, all right. now. You know,
1: yeah, um, absolutely.
0: And I, I love. I'm with you. Like, there, my making sure my husband is like happy. My my son, my future kids. Like, that's my mother. Like, I, that's that's like kind of where I'm at. Yes, I'm still very materialistic, and I I want to basically be Wendy <laughs> Williams. So I don't know what that says about meaningful work. Not good. But anyway, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? I lo- but but to me, she was meaningful because you know yeah. she like people tuned into her every day for an hour to escape whatever sure. was on their mind to have a chuckle of somebody she was kind of making fun of. I mean, you she did provide this incredible hour for people.
1: Absolutely, and you know she was great and is great is you great. Know, yes, you know at creating a space for people to laugh, creating a space for people to to ponder. And, uh, you know, she carved her own lane and it's not many people that can say that. <clears throat> but to answer your question, the thing that I would ask listeners, and I've posed this question to people that I kind of walk with and coach is this. And I had to wrestle with this for a long time. You are who you are to your friends and your family. You are who you are to uh, your husband, you're a wife, to your son, you're a mother. Um, but who are you to you? You know, and when you I'm really think down. about the question, <laughs> even though I can rewind really, this, yes. <laughs> yes. When you really think about that question, we spend the bulk of our life living out our life through the lens of who other people need us to be. And very few times do we actually take out intentional time to feed ourselves what we need to produce what other people need from us. And I call it Baker syndrome. And Baker syndrome is I bake bread for everyone else and I don't leave enough to feed myself. And so in order to achieve those things, I think you have to be intentional about investing time into yourself to discover who you're becoming, uh, because it's greater than who you were. And when you can discover that and who you are to you, I'm telling you, it it makes uh, purpose and discovering purpose a lot easier.
0: And that goes for everyone, whether you have a family, you don't have kids, you don't want kids, you're... Wow. Who are you to you?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, I got a lot of work to do, Tim Timberlake. um, (laughs) (laughs) One of the other things I think that you do that is so fascinating to me because it's so counterintuitive to my own life, and, you know, so many people listen to me in the D.C. area, which moving to L.A., one of the things is people here really prioritize their play. I don't know if they're prioritizing who they are to themselves, but people here, I mean, I drive around all the time, I'm like, uh, nobody works in LA, you know? I mean, people, right. are, are, they they love the beach. They love the surf. They love this. They want to go up and hike. And it's interesting because I came from DC where pe- all people did was work and, and wanted yeah. to know who you were, what you did, how can you help? And there's there's that in LA for sure. I don't want to say that that's, that's, that's not there. But I listened to a podcast you were on where you actually said that you um, don't like, post content every day. You don't, um, there's seasons where you won't do interviews. And this was like, actually gave me anxiety to hear because I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) what do you mean he doesn't? Because are we all like, I, I, am really trying to work on a couple things in 2023. And one of the other things is, is like feel not feeling pressure to put stuff out all the time. How do you even do that? And not feel yeah, like I you're think, losing business because you're in, you're also in the business of speaking, of mentor. I mean, you got to be out there all the time. How do you find that courage?
1: Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> that D.C. and L.A. are more alike than what people realize in that uh, people are working all the time because of an identity or appearance they've created for themselves that they want other people to view them as. People in LA are surfing, working out, hiking all the time because of an appearance and identity that they've created that they want people to admire and look at. And for me, I just, I don't care what people think about me. it's it's the most beautiful thing. and, And so I don't post every day and there are seasons where I won't do any podcasts or interviews. There are seasons where I won't even speak anywhere. So at least once a year, I'll take a month out of every year and I'll just shut it all the way down. And I'll close the laptop. I'll cut off the phone and my staff, I'll tell them, hey, only get in contact with me if there's an absolute emergency. And here's why we're constantly pouring out all the time. Every interview, every post, every talk, every stand standup uh, you do, you're constantly pouring out. And I'm just a firm believer that in between these talks, in between these interviews, there has to be some life lived so that I can continue to pour out from a somewhat full cup because the worst thing that I can do Uh, is try to help people from an empty place Uh, and so if I try to help people from an empty place uh, you know it ends up being a lot of my preference instead of my purpose and so I'll be intentional about guarding my personal time so that I can fill up do things uh, that bring me joy do things that fill my soul so that I can continue to help people. And uh, for me, it's not about how many people I can help quickly. It's about how many people I can help over the course of my life for the rest of my life. And I want to be around for a long time. And so if I don't steward this time well, uh, then I would have helped a bunch of people, but not as long as what I feel I could have.
0: Oh, my God. You're so – I love it. Wow. What what a great message heading into the holiday season where and a new year where people are thinking mm-hmm. about priorities and replenishing themselves. Okay, Tim Timberlake, you were like the greatest surprise. Like I oh. just – I'm so honored to have you on my show and I, I, now I want to hire you. How do I get – how do I – how do you get my <laughs> – how do you coach me to be Jerry Springer? I mean basically that's it. Like I mean – So amazing and and I want you to come back and I just love your family story. I mean you are your ancestors' wildest dreams and it's like it's so awesome that we even get to still experience it in this generation. Like that just gave me goosebumps. I mean just everything you're doing, it's so great. And I love that you seem like you're a person that carves out time to really feel that.
1: Absolutely. You know, life is about relationships and about how you live out those relationships i mean i met you because of a relationship and so um i think the currency of life is relationships and the way that we spend it is time and so you know i am so honored to be on your podcast and anything you need from me consider it done i am back as often as you need me i've absolutely Uh, loved our conversation and our time together And, and just think you're awesome
0: oh my god you're awesome and I hope you say that after I have my talk show and you're booked after the woman that's making love to her chandelier you're not going to feel the yes. same way about me I'm on this show with this woman who's dating a chandelier and now I'm Tim Timberlake dear god what's happening this is I don't know if this was it so you better keep that you better say that to me Tim in another year anyway
1: there's hope for her too Sarah <laughs> she's,
0: she's been a real guest on my show she's a trip Um, Tim Timberlake you're You're on Instagram as Tim Timberlake. The book is The Power of 1440. Everybody should buy it. You can buy it everywhere books are sold. Just type it in. Uh, Tim, is there anywhere else? You also have a very popular YouTube channel. Um, People can hear you almost weekly. Where else can people find you and reach out?
1: Yeah, you can find everything you're looking for at timtimberlake.tv. Everything in one central place, all of my social media handles, uh, contact information. I love connecting with people. And so I have my personal contact information up there. And uh, yeah, if you're looking for me, that's where you can find me.
0: Oh my God, Tim. Thank you. This was just truly amazing. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, sir. Been a joy.